I always laugh about the grocery store where they have a, a, a health section and the health section is never an entire aisle. It is literally a section in an aisle. And so it's just something to think about that if if that's labeled the health section, what is everything else? Yeah, right. What What are we surrounded by? Welcome back to A Sharper Life, the podcast that will ignite your passion for personal growth and empower you to live a life of purpose and fulfillment. I'm your host, Nikki Sharp, a two-time best-selling author, wellness expert, and transformation coach, and I'm here each week to guide you on a transformational journey that will help you unlock your full potential. Each week, A Sharper Life brings you captivating interviews with renowned experts, thought leaders, and inspiring individuals who have achieved extraordinary success in various aspects of life. From health and wellness to improving your career, relationships, and mindset, we explore the strategies, insights, and stories that will propel you to unlocking your greatest potential. By subscribing to A Sharper Life podcast, you will gain wisdom that will truly transform your life. So today I'm talking with Jen Smiley, who is a certified food coach and nutritionist who is dedicated to helping people make informed choices about the foods they eat. She is the founder of Wake Up and Read the Labels, a website that provides resources and information on healthy eating and living. Jen has extensive experience in the health and wellness industry, and you can hear her passion about helping her clients achieve their goals. So in today's podcast, we are talking about the importance of nutrition starting with the labels. And something that you probably don't know is that a lot of the companies are marketing foods to you that when you actually go and read the labels, they are not good for your health. So we are going over the worst ingredients, the ones that you should cut out immediately. We're giving you advice and tips on specific brands that you should be looking for in the store. We're also going over why the U.S., is so much different versus the EU and why they have banned ingredients there versus why they allow the ingredients here. She's giving you some motivational tips on how to start your health journey no matter where you are, because I know that it can be really complicated on where to start if you're not feeling good. And something I really want to point out here is that we go over a lot of information today and it is incredibly helpful, but I really want you to focus on one to two, maybe three tips that you're going to take and implement. Because if you try and take everything, you might get overwhelmed. But if you start with one or two things that really resonate from today's interview, I guarantee that you're going to see an incredible shift in your body. You're going to get reduced bloating. You're going to start to feel better. And so without further ado, here is Jen Smiley. Jen, I am beyond thrilled to talk to you today. So thank you for being a guest on A Sharper Life. And you and I are both so incredibly passionate about health, wellness, food, nutrition. And so I'd really like to start with what led you to creating Wake Up and Read the Labels and your passion behind it? 
Oh, yeah. I'm excited to um, use this time to help others wake up and read the labels as well. And hopefully people can understand that, like, I haven't always been the gin smiley with, you know, a large audience and on social media platforms and helping others. There was a time where I, too, was battling inflammation, was going to the doctor searching for answers. I was about 70 pounds overweight. The biggest I'd ever been was 200 pounds. I'm only 5'1". So, yes, very heavy in my mid-20s. I am tired all the time. I got diagnosed with acid reflux. They prescribed me inhalers. My husband's um, doing... No, he had acid reflux. I had silent reflux. But anyway, with that being said, um, it was just all these different trials. Okay, what do I do to get healthy? What did I do? I went to what I call is Dr. Google. And I'm like, you know, how much protein do I eat in a day? What supplements should I be taking? How can I lose five pounds? I'm signing up for gyms, doing all these things that I think a lot of people out there are trying themselves and they just aren't reaching their health goals. And it wasn't until one day... I was walking home from a workout and I was drinking a premier protein shake. Now, if anybody knows what that is, or if you're drinking protein shakes after your workout, you're probably tracking things. And I was too, such as the protein, the carbs, the sodium, the fat, all these numbers, right? They even have apps out there where you can track these numbers. And as long as you stay within those numbers, you'll be healthy. Well, that didn't, that didn't work for me. Nothing budged. And it wasn't until I flipped the actual package over and started to read the ingredients. Now, once you're tuned into reading the ingredients and you become alerted to the fact that like, wait a second, I can't even pronounce this ingredient. I can't even identify this ingredient. Why am I drinking this? It sent me on this kind of wake up mission where I would literally wake up every morning and I would head to grocery stores. I traveled all over the region just looking for a clean protein. Then I was looking for a clean cracker, a clean, you know, barbecue sauce, all these things. And once I figured it out, it took a lot of time, took a lot of money. It took many years, but my inflammation literally peeled away in like one week. My skin cleared up. I no longer had reflux. My husband was running further and faster than he ever was. My pants are fitting better. All of a sudden I can go into my closet and I'm able to wear things that I haven't been able to be worn before. Now, Let me put this into perspective. We're eating this way. We're eating different from everyone. So when we get invited to family functions, school events, going out to eat with friends, everybody's looking at us thinking, why are you eating freak food? Okay, because they're not understanding what we're doing. Um, But my dad got diagnosed with prostate cancer about, I guess it was four years ago now. And him and my mom called me and said, hey, dad's going to get robotic surgery at Johns Hopkins. Can you help him get healthy until the surgery? And I thought, okay, well, this is what I do. You know, it helps me. It helps my husband. I'll, I'll share with you with what I know. So I went to the grocery store. I got eight bags of groceries. And I'm like, hey, here's your biscuits. Here's your red sauce. Here's your pasta. Here's your salad dressing. And if you go out to eat, send me the menu. Well, in three months, he lost 35 pounds, got off of blood pressure and cholesterol medication, plus you're monitoring your PSA level, which is your prostate cancer number. It shows at it shows the rate at which your cancer is growing. 
um, or stalling or potentially shrinking. And during those two weeks of that blood checkup, he his number was actually decreasing every two weeks. Amazing. Yeah. So when that happened, I thought, wait a minute, maybe I have a method and maybe I have information that I can share with other people to help them feel good as well. And that's when I just started talking about it on my platform with 200 followers, had women walk up to me and say, take me grocery shopping, come clean out my pantry in my kitchen. And here I am three and a half years later, servicing over 6,000 women. It's amazing. What an incredible story. And I, I really resonate too with that, that it's the challenges that we face in our own life tend to then become the things in which we teach because we're passionate and we yes. found something that works. And so I, I just, I honor that you're doing it. And I, I also resonate too very much with like being the weird one for so oh, long. People, the freak, right? For so long, yeah. people would be like, oh, Nikki, she's so picky. We don't know. Like, what do you want us to make? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I, I just want to eat real food. And there is yeah. something that I wish that we could in society change the way that we even talk about food so that instead of quote unquote, healthy food being healthy, because naturally there's a negative connotation. It's going to be boring, tastes like cardboard. I'm either on the wagon, off the wagon. I really wish that the food that we eat, the sad diet, standard American diet was labeled toxic food and Absolutely. healthy food was just food. And so instead of it being like, Hey, do you want to go get a healthy meal? It's, Hey, do you want to go get a toxic burger? And just yeah. that would transform the way that people think about food. And it sounds like you, you believe the same. Absolutely. It's been ingrained in us, right? I had, um, his name's Parker Brooks from, he founded Lovebird Cereal. I don't know if you know Lovebird, it's beautiful. They put all their ingredients on the front, but he mentioned on my podcast once, he's like, you know, why, why do we have to pay extra money and meet qualifications to be organic and have, or, you know, you, you get this thing, you get this seal to put on your, on your product that says organic. Why can't the other people who not, who are not organic put toxic or put poison on it? Like, it's so backwards and we can go into so many rabbit holes of like why and what's happening and why is this the way it is. But I think the way the food industry, the way the way it's become um, is definitely training people to miss what's really happening. And people are addicted to the wrong foods. Um, and ultimately, I think we're just at a point, and I think this is a grassroots style of us sharing this conversation that like, we are here, you and I, Nikki, to empower people and to educate them so that they can understand and take the blinders off and see what's happening. We're not saying you're doing things wrong. We're not saying that it's it's evil. That's what's going on. We're just saying like, hey, listen, we figured out how to overcome the food industry. We figured out how to feel good. And that does not mean restrictions. That does not mean diets. That truly means just finding out and discovering this definition of food and what is real food and who is making it and where to find it. Couldn't agree more. And I was actually listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about perfumes and perfume is, is synonymous, let's just say with the, the food industry, it's the same sort of things that are happening, the, the shadiness of it. And they were saying that a lot of the ingredients that go into perfumes, the let's say you have 10 different ingredients. Well, there's an ingredient that's coming from another company and they don't have to disclose all the ingredients that went into that. And I know that oh, that's yeah. also the same with, 
with you know the U.S. food industry. So I'd actually like to get your take on why do you think that the U.S. allows so many of these bad, toxic, processed chemicals in our food when the EU has a majority that are banned there, but they're allowed here? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with food lobbyists. I think it has a lot to do with the food industry being so powerful, making so much money. You know, you see Gatorade gets sponsored by the NFL. You got Beyond Meat doing Kim Kardashian. You got Oprah Winfrey sponsoring Oatly. That's why you see Oatly on billboards and buses. And they're taking up multiple shelves when you open the freezer door. There's power behind marketing and sponsorships. And so I just think that, unfortunately, the FDA and the people, you know, writing up who is creating this food palette or this food pyramid, they're getting money from these companies to put the milk on. Right. If you go to the American Heart Association, um, it, it's like sponsored by dairy or something like that. Um, I, I try not to get very controversial with it because it, I don't think you win that way, right? You can point your fingers, you can get mad. The The food industry is winning. Um, are they doing it for right reasons? I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people there are probably good people and they're there to support their families. I do know that there's more ethical people who are stepping away and realizing, hey, maybe what we're doing is wrong. Maybe we're catering to America's obesity. Maybe we're catering to children being diagnosed with adult diseases. Speaking of one, um, Parker at Lovebird, he worked for... Um, what was it? General Mills and Yoplait. And he said he was in the marketing. He's like, they would run in on a Monday morning and want to slap a mermaid on the yogurt. And they want to put, you know, find they find scientists and other companies. They can find scientists to put certain ingredients in the food to make it taste better so that ultimately the consumer is eating more. So then they sell more units and buy more. So. I just think there's many factors as to why we're in the situation we're in. It's unfortunate that America doesn't have as strict of standards with their additives, um, their preservatives. There's something known. You can go Google this, and I show this in some of my master classes, but it's like um, it is the grass, which is generally recognized as safe. It's kind of this standard. What happens is, let's say, you know, take a food company. And let's say they made a protein bar and they have, you know, they probably have 20 ingredients in it. And one of the ingredients is new or it's just an ingredient that hasn't been had enough research on it. OK, what they do is they have to go through a lot of systems in order to get this ingredient to be acceptable in the food industry. Um, and, and so instead of doing that, instead of doing that, they take a quicker route and they just get it diagnosed or presented as, hey, we got, you know, two or I don't know the right number, but they got a few scientists to look it up, to study it and say, this is generally recognized as safe. And so that allows this food to get on the food market and be sold and consumed without really knowing enough information about it. But there is enough information out there now. Everyone here listening has enough access to information to go even do the research on your own. We like to say here at Wake Up and Read the Labels, let's take, for example, red dye, right? Artificial dyes. When you're drinking Gatorade 
or you're giving your kids goldfish, something like that. These dyes, there are studies that show it increases their ADHD. It increases hyperactivity. It increases their, um, their, their hunger cravings, things like that. And so why would you choose to consume something and eat something that show, hey, this, this could cause this, right? I like to say err on the side of caution and only eat things that have been shown to be good for you, as opposed to, oh, a little of this here and there isn't gonna hurt, but it does, it adds up. We are, we're consuming it every day. It's all over. You can go to a five-star restaurant in New York, or you can go to the ballpark for your kid's baseball game. You're still eating the same additives and fillers and gums, and these things make you bloated and they promote inflammation. And then ultimately that, that goes into a downward spiral of all kinds of things. So fascinating. What I'd like to do is actually break down reading a label because that's something I feel like so many people have a misunderstanding. And I love the videos that you post on your Instagram where you'll go and show and it says like healthy, all natural, organic, and then yeah. you flip it. And half the time, I mean, this is always amazing to me where like the ingredients will be like on the flap that you have to lift up on a protein bar. But let's go over what what should people be paying attention to on labels, both in terms of like what not to pay attention to, the healthy, all those, and then how do they decode and read a label? And then we'll kind of go further of ingredients and things yeah. like that to watch out great. for. Okay, great question. So I like to tell people when you look at, first of all, when you look at a product, let's say you're grocery shopping, okay? The, I would say 98% of the product is their billboard. It's their marketing. It's how they selling it. So you are going to read things such as gluten-free, non-GMO, no colors or additives, no artificial flavors. That is, that's okay. Um, that can kind of help you you know, further select, but you want to make sure they kind of ignore that and really look at the ingredients and understand what are these ingredients? Where do they come from? Um, are they inflammatory? Are they natural? These type of things. So then once you start diving into the ingredients label, the first ingredient clearly has makes up most of the product. And then the last ingredient has the least amount of the product. Now, a good rule of thumb is if you look at the bottom, the last ingredient, if it is a real ingredient, I'm talking, let's say basil, or it says salt, or it says extra virgin olive oil, or maybe it says, um, what would be another one? Almonds, walnuts, something like that. Then odds are the ingredients above it are really good. High quality products use high quality ingredients. If you're looking at a product and you're going to see this a lot, I hope all of you are checking your pantry, your refrigerator, um, your favorite coffee creamer at the coffee shop, all the things. If you read a label and the bottom has vitamin A, vitamin D2, vitamin B12, okay? These are called fortified vitamins and they're generally found in dead foods. Those fortified vitamins are put in your food so that we don't have a societal outbreak of some disease so everybody has a certain number of vitamins in them. However, I'm here to let you know that again, the people that are using, the companies that are using these fortified vitamins, it's because they're using very low quality food. Um, so that would be a good rule of thumb starting there. 
Awesome. And then do you tell people to look at the actual, what's above the ingredient list? So the label of breaking down, let's say sugars or fats and it added sugars, or you really just say, focus on the ingredients. Wholeheartedly on the ingredients. Um, and I do that just because you can focus on your fat, right? You can focus on the calories, all these things, macro counts. And if somebody comes into our world and they're a true macro counter or they're a true faster or they um, need they need to do low sodium, all these things. And I say, listen, go find all the ingredients that are clean and fast you know, you can still fast, but make sure you're eating clean. You can still count your macros, but make sure you're eating clean. So I think it, I, I give some leniency, some variety to what is working for you. But generally speaking, everyone that comes in, if they just switch to clean foods, they get these amazing results. So then when you say clean foods, what, I mean, what I'm getting from that and what I heard you say is, yep. and I actually love looking at the last ingredient. And I know another thing, and we both agree on this, is that if you can't pronounce the ingredient, your body doesn't know how, how to digest it as simple as that. But what would you say are like the worst, the top three, top five worst ingredients that, you know, like maybe once in a while have, but overall try to cut those out immediately? Like the worst ingredients? Yeah. The worst ingredients <laughs> that everyone's eating. Um, I would say this might be controversial. I don't know how you feel about this one, but I'm gonna go with stevia first. And I bring that up. It's not the worst, but stevia, um, is everywhere. And I hate to say it, but if it is mainstream, you're seeing stevia in a coffee shop now available by the sweetener. If it's mainstream, something's up. Okay. Because mainstream is not healthy. Um, you don't want to feel normal. You want to feel optimal, right? And the issue with stevia is that they're using chemicals to extract it. And these harsh chemicals are seeping into the stevia. So stevia has been shown to cause gut disruption. Um, when I first started coaching, I had my client, she was about 26. She was dealing with constipation and serious constipation, like going to the bathroom once every 10 days or something. Wow. And yes, getting colonoscopies, getting scopes done. They're trying to figure out what is going on. She started coaching with me and she lost a little bit of weight, felt so much better. And then in about three weeks in, she says, listen, I'm still constipated and my stomach is so bloated. And I'm, so I just went through with her. I'm like, all right, what is going on? What are you eating? Um, and we deep dove into it. And I just kept seeing the consistency factor was stevia every single morning for her coffee. Everything else was perfectly clean. And by clean, I mean foods made with real ingredients that is also anti-inflammatory or that's going to help you kind of heal your gut. Um, but we removed the stevia and within 24 hours, she was going to the bathroom normal every single day. The bloating went down, game changer, changed her life. That was probably my eighth client when I first started. After that, I said, I need to look deeper into stevia. And now here at Wake Up, we're just like, hey, if it calls for stevia, just say no. So follow up question on that. And then I do want to jump back to what are some other ingredients just yep to minimize or avoid. But when it comes to stevia, you know, that's something I tend to reach for that when it's available. I also don't drink a lot of coffee or things that I would be putting it in. So fine, I'm the person that has it once in a while. But what would you say for someone who's having honey 
or then there's agave and then there's aspartame and then stevia and, and there's molasses. I mean, there's so many different ones. So what oh, does yeah. someone do with, if they're trying to sweeten their coffee? Absolutely. So I think if someone's using stevia, as are, they want to probably either stay in a fasting state or they want that zero glycemic index. Monk fruit is a good one. So is allulose. Um, allulose is not a sugar alcohol, by the way. And there's really no studies that show that it causes gut disruption. Um, so that's a good one. But I love monk fruits and I tell people to look for the strict. You want only monk fruit extract. You also want to find non-GMO because often it could be derived from corn and that's a highly um, GMO crop. So you want to make sure that you're looking for non-GMO monk fruit. That'll be a game changer. Otherwise, if you don't care about the glycemic index, maple syrup and raw honey. Raw honey provides some really good antioxidants. And if you put some raw honey in your coffee, it tastes amazing. It tastes like tea. Absolutely. All right. So that's amazing. I'm, I'm glad to also clear that up. Going back to ingredients that we should minimize or cut out when yep. you're looking at the label, what are a few more of those? Let's do another one that's everywhere. And if, if America removed this from their diet, I seriously believe we would have half of the percentage of obesity that we're faced up against today. And the ingredient I'm talking about is canola oil, um, canola oil, sunflower oil, those oils. Basically, again, it's understanding the ingredient. How are these things processed, right? They use heavy chemicals in them. And when they apply these heavy, heavy chemicals to extract this oil, what's happening is it's raising omega-6 levels in that oil and the omega-3s are very low. Now, the standard American diet, I'm talking about when you go to Starbucks and you get your spinach, feta, egg, tortilla wrap and your um, coffee with almond milk and you are cooking, getting your baked chicken or your salads with salad dressing, right? You're getting exposed to these inflammatory oils. And so you may think you're being healthy by getting the spinach wrap and the dairy-free coffee and choosing a salad or getting baked, baked or sauteed protein um, with no carbs at your lunch or dinner. However, what's preventing you from losing the bloat, from stop running to the bathroom, from, you know, your skin is breaking up, you're needing to go to sleep after every meal, you can't lose weight. This is because of canola oil. So what is the kind of clean swap to that is extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil. Those are higher in those omega-3s. And the omega-3s is what's known as like the Mediterranean diet, which is anti-inflammatory. That's what you want. All right. Incredible follow-up question then on that. And I feel like I'm going to keep doing this with the, each ingredient. What about when someone sees sunflower and or palm oils? What do you feel about those? So together? Uh, together. Because there's labels sometimes that I, I see, like I'll get a healthier version of, of chips, let's say. Yep, like a and plantain. I'll see, you know, it's yeah. And it's like this salt and then it'll say sunflower and, and, or palm yeah. oil. Confusing, right? Just tell us what yeah. it is. Is it and, or is it or, um, okay. So sunflower oil, you do want to avoid. It's just like the canola, the vegetable oil. Um, the palm oil, I feel as though, and this is something I would teach someone, palm oil, it, 
isn't everywhere. Like sunflower oil is kind of everywhere. Canola oil is everywhere. You're going to find some palm oil, maybe in plantains, um, or like you said, some type of chip, maybe that's, that's really it. So your exposure or your consumption of omega-6s in palm oil is very low. Meaning, I like to say, pretend when you're eating clean, that's equivalent to working out for an entire month straight, right? You got your body feeling real good. So if you get that little bit of palm oil in your body, well, one, it's not really going to regress your progress. Two, you're going to feel so good from just eating clean all the time that now you can be more in tune with your body and say, hey, that palm oil didn't bother me. Or if you immediately feel tired, feel bloated, your skin is breaking out, your joints are hurting, your eyes are swelling. This is an indication that you're sensitive to those omega-6s in that oil. So it's something you want to remove. Awesome. So then what I'm hearing is canola oil, sunflower oil, try to stay away from. And then if yes. it's only palm oil, then okay, maybe not quite as bad. Obviously we're looking for cleaner and cleaner and cleaner making yep. your own. Yeah. What is one more thing? And it doesn't need to be something like, you know, red dye 40 is something that always scares me. Is that something that you really tell people to avoid or is there another oh, yeah. one that's more common? No, I mean, a lot of those kind of artificial ingredients made in a lab in the, the, um, the, the, the colors these ingredients that like even an eight-year-old reading a label can go, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely not food. That tells you a story. Don't look at it and think, oh, is this good for me or bad for me? What does this ingredient really mean? Those artificial ingredients, like your Chex Mix, your goldfish, um, I'm trying to think of the Pringles or your there's nut pods, there's almond breeze. You start reading some of these like crazy ingredients, you need to go, okay, this is letting me know that this company put this ingredient in here, which ultimately means this garbage is no good. Like when you start discovering clean labels, it is astounding. It is shocking to see that, oh my gosh, my almond milk only has almonds and water, or my pasta sauce only has tomatoes, extra virgin olive oil, parsley, basil, and thyme. And then you start reading like the ragus of the world going, wait, why do they have peanut oil and red dye in here? It's just, it's something that is not brought to your attention and you're not aware of it. And when you do become aware of it, again, the blinders come off and you wake up and go, oh my gosh, I've been eating low carb, low sugar, dairy free this whole time. And now I'm understanding why my health hasn't been changing. So fascinating. Now, Let's kind of jump over to the nut-based milks because there's so much talk in the industry that we shouldn't be eating dairy. And I'm I'm going to be the first one to say I'm a proponent of not having milk unless it's maybe raw milk, which then you have to kind of go source. But what's your thoughts on oat milk? Like there's so many types of them and ingredients that we should or shouldn't be having. And then like the almond milks, is there a certain alternative milk. So before we even go to the labels and ingredients is typically, have you found, is there a certain nut milk that's better than the others? 
Um, I mean, if you're going to go taste, nutrition, oxalate level, like we can get deep. Um, I can go there, but I truly try to like the people that we're helping are people that are using half and half and that are using almond breeze and blue diamond and nut pods and they're eating, um, Newman's own bread. So like, and I, co I coach my coaches. I have coaches on board. I'm like, listen, we're not here to save the person that's counting their oxalates. And we're not here. You know, we can't help everybody. Um, there's different conversations for that. And we can go down that journey. But I think for starters, any nut milk is good as long as it's clean. So with that being said, I love my favorite is cashew milk. Like that's what I wake up and drink every single day. The creaminess of it is top notch because it's got a lot of fat. Um, I also, for people with nut allergies, love coconut milk. But again, probably a lot of people listening that have coconut milk, look at that label, read the ingredients. It's going to be a bunch of ingredients you don't recognize. You literally want coconut and water. That's going to come in a can. Um, another one I love is, yes, almond milk. I also would recommend pistachio milk, walnut milk, sesame seed milk. Um, these are some good ones. Okay. So what I'm hearing then is that it's, it's less about the specific milk. Like there's not one that's necessarily better than the other, but you did mention almond breeze and also oatly. It's maybe not being as good. Why is that? That's because they're made up of, they actually have more emulsifiers and fillers and gums and fortified um, fortified vitamins than they do actually almonds, right? Or actually oats. So what's happening is these companies, the reason you go and you're buying these things, first of all, is brand awareness, but it's because it's inexpensive. The reason it's inexpensive is because they're not using a lot of almonds and oats, and they're not using a lot of cashews to make this stuff. When you start to look into the cleaner eating options, um, there's a brand called Three Trees. There's another one called Milk. They use just water and almonds, or they use cashews and almonds. I mean, I'm sorry, cashews and water. And so these prices do cost a little more. Why? Because they're having to put some more of the actual product in it, the almonds and the cashews. Plus, they their stuff doesn't last on the shelf as long because they don't have things that preserve its shelf life as much. But here's the thing with that. And we can touch on this. A lot of people will say, hey, it costs more money to eat healthy. It costs more money to get these products, right? The thing is, when you eat foods made with real ingredients without those um, additives and those emulsifiers, your blood sugar stays more level. And so you actually eat less. Like this whole society that told us breakfast is the most important part of the day. You need three meals a day and we're snacking. We can't make it to lunch. We need two coffees a day. Like that's what's going on right now. It's because the foods you are consuming are causing you to literally be starving and tired all day. And you're looking for more food to get out of the problem. But it's just this cyclical um, kind of situation. Couldn't agree more. And on top of that, just to add, the cleaner that you eat, yes, it might be more costly in the beginning, but it ends up saving you thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars because your health is better. You don't have diabetes or you're not obese, or cancer, all of these different things that the wrong foods can be attributed and, and build up in the system. So it, it kind of goes back to what's the investment that you want to make? Do you want the yeah. quick fix now and, and spend less money now, but guaranteed, guaranteed to spend oh. more money later on your health? Or would you rather invest in 
how you feel now. And so as we're talking, I can imagine right now, someone listening might be like, okay, this is a lot like it's throwing around a lot of labels and ingredients. And like, do I do this to it? So someone walks into the grocery store. What are your like top few tips on what they should do? Focus on aisle wise, height wise to make it simple. Yeah. First of all, back up real quick. I would love to answer that. You said, well, I want to follow up with, I tell people you either pay the farmer or you pay the pharmacy. You have to pay yes. someone. Um, and, and so the choice is yours. The other thing is my, my favorite tip to give anyone is start where you are. So don't think you need to create this elaborate weekly meal plan. Don't think you need to go and spend hours reading labels. What you need to do is figure out what are you consistently doing? For a lot of us, it's a morning ritual. Is it a protein shake? Is it a smoothie? Is it coffee? Is it tea? Whatever that may be, start there and make that clean. So maybe you wake up and say, okay, I'm using this coffee. Is this coffee clean? Figuring out, is my coffee tested for mold and toxins? Because if it's not, then that's why you're kind of getting jittery. Oh my God. That's Um, a whole, okay. We're going to, I'm going to make a note. We're going to come back to that, the coffee. Cause that's, that's another big one that people don't even realize there is it. It's, I remember the first time I learned that it's like, wait, what? There's mold in my coffee, huh? So let's, I want to take that. We're going to put it to the side and come back to that. But as you were saying of figuring out what's the first thing in your life, and then you make Mm -hmm. that change. Yep. So I have tons of clients that have success doing that. They make their morning ritual clean and they do that for, you know, a week or two. And if you start your day off with something clean, it sets you up for so much more success. And what I mean by that is you're going to stay fuller longer. You might go to work now and maybe you brought a snack out of habit or maybe you passed the break room. Um, but, or maybe you're working at home and you're going through your kitchen doing the dishes and you're like, why am I not grabbing a snack? That is because you ate foods made with real ingredients and now your body has that that more stable blood sugar um, level. So if you got a smoothie, then you want to make sure your base is clean. Like you had said, Nikki, I'm a proponent of no dairy as well. I always say you never know how good you feel without dairy until you've completely eliminated it. I am in agreement for raw dairy, but I think one should only introduce raw dairy once their gut has been completely healed. So if you think about your gut, it has a lot of holes in it. And when you're eating foods that your body does not recognize, it makes those holes bigger. The toxins seep through them. And that's when your hormones get out of whack. That's when you get bloated. That's when you have IBS. You start seeing skin irritations, psoriasis, joint pain, all these inflammatory markers. So if you choose, all right, I'm going to clean up my morning routine. I'm going to head to the grocery. I'm going to get a clean base. I am going to make sure um, my protein is clean. That's another big one, reading those ingredients. I'm going to have clean creamer. I'm going to use a clean sweetener. These are all foods, again, these clean foods that your body can recognize. So then those holes in your belly, they shrink up. And that's what gives you that flatter belly feeling. It is a healed gut. Once your gut is healed, then you can start introducing things that, hey, maybe my gut can handle this now and I can figure out how I feel. So start with your morning. Don't get overwhelmed at the grocery. 
I love that. Okay. So then let's say someone has decided I'm going to swap out, change my morning routine, my smoothie, whatever that might be. They walk into the grocery store and then what, because I have a few tips I'll add, but what are your tips for that person just walking in? And it's like, okay, where do I start? What do I go? Because yeah. the marketing companies, that's actually really funny that I just said that. The food companies, which really are marketing companies oh, yeah. have have certain things that they do with the shelves. And so like if you go in, the foods that are at eyeline distance, they pay the most money to be there, meaning that yep. those are the mon- the companies with the money. The where you really should be looking is like down below, you have to bend over. And I yep. also have a, a few others. So I'd love to know what your tips for clients are when they walk into a grocery store. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would love to give you a like, hey, here's the answer. But what what you focus on, you become. So you have to engulf yourself with this information. Um, you have to know what you're looking for, and it does. It can it can take a lot of time, and it can also be very very confusing. Um, and that's kind of where that's how our company has formed to take that confusion out. We do have like product recommendations that way, if you're buying protein or you're looking for the right dairy free milks, or you're looking for, you know, how to make a smoothie clean, we provide those resources so that you don't have to spend wasted time at the grocery store and spend money that potentially could be lost because maybe you bought something that's not clean. Um, but for just a tip, I would say, yes, go to the grocery read the ingredients. Can you find something online to support, you know, your understanding to gather this information? Um, it did take me eight years to figure it all out. And it will take you that long if you choose to figure it out yourself, or you can go find an expert somewhere that can like, you know, jump curve that learning, that learning experience, jump curve the or leapfrog the learning experience, leapfrog the time loss, leapfrog all the guessing, leapfrog the education. A hundred percent. I mean, another one for me that I have always focused on is when you walk in, it's always the outer perimeters are what have the cleanest ingredients. That's where your produce is going to be. That's where your meats are, your eggs, cheese, if you're having that, of course. you know, dairy, if you're having that. So it's like focus on that as the as your primary place to get your food and anything else will be inside. And I always laugh about the grocery store where they have a, a health section and the health section is never an entire aisle. It is literally a section in an aisle. And so it's just something to think about that. If, if that's labeled the health section, what is everything else? Yeah. Right. What, what are we surrounded by? Um, yeah, but I, I believe in going to your farmer's markets. Um, I do love Thrive Market. I also love Wild Pastures for Meat. Um, those are all ideas where you can just get it literally like shipped to your door. So you're only going to your grocery for a few things. Every, I always tell people, everybody knows the outer aisle is like the healthiest way to be, right? America would not be in the situation it is in if we all just say meat, fish, vegetables and fruit. That is what you're going to find. Um, wake up and read the labels exist. And the real issue that people are talking about now is what's what, how do you make a quesadilla clean? How do you make pizza clean? How do you enjoy your brownies and your cookies and, you know, your morning toast? Because that's what people are eating. And 
they, they don't want to give those things up. When they give those things up, they feel restricted and they fail. And sometimes it, you know, causes eating disorders or it just causes them to go deeper into eating bad foods. So I, I like to tell people that, hey, listen, you don't have to give up the foods you love to feel good. You just have to understand how to overcome the food industry, find those clean products, learn how to swap it out, substitute it, cook with it. Um, and then you really get to, you get to be the champion here and feel really good. Love that. I wanted to actually just really quickly add on something that you were saying of like the leapfrogging. I remember when I was starting my health journey in 2013 and battling all the things, the the bloat, the bad skin, the anxiety that was happening from all the food. And I started making small changes and I didn't realize necessarily what I that they were becoming bridges. And that's what I call them is you make a bridge. So I went from having skim milk because I was always scared of fat for so many years. And from skim milk, I then actually went to soy milk. And that was a better option for me to do in that moment. And then from soy milk, I was like, oh, okay, I learned more. So then I went to a, a more clean almond milk and I learned that. And then from almond milk, I was like, oh, I could actually make my own. Now, I don't make my own and I also rarely drink coffee. So when I do have Oatly, it's, I, I think I have it maybe like once a week. But I, I really encourage people and everything you're saying, Jen, of doing these little bridges so that it's not like you have to go change out every single thing yeah. in your life. Because that, that's where it's overwhelming. But I want to come back to the coffee thing, as we were talking about with mold. So can you explain this for someone who drinks coffee every day, some, I mean, even I know clients who start with five cups a day. So what's the situation with mold in coffee and how do we discover if it's there and then better alternatives? Yeah. So it's actually called mitotoxins. Um, and despite having, you know, a poor reputation in the past coffee, it does have health benefits. And so it, I'm not here to say, don't drink coffee. I am a coffee drinker every single morning. I love coffee. Um, but there's, it's, you should be informed of potentially harmful chemicals called mycotoxins in your coffee. Um, and what's happening is it is, it's, it grows on like this fungi. The fungi may grow on crops and coffee beans if they're improperly stored. So again, it's like we hear about the oils. We don't know how they're processed, right? You hear, you see a coffee brand. You don't know how it's stored and how it is roasted, things like that. So becoming educated and aware on the brand that you're choosing will help you eliminate being exposed to these toxins. Um, and so again, it's a toxin that's formed by molds. It's this tiny fungi. And what happens is because you're eating so, I mean, not eating, but you're consuming it daily, then it can cause chronic health concerns. Um, it, or it can also cause a higher risk of disease exposure to it. And are there, just in your awareness, are there certain yeah. brands and you know what, fine, we can throw some shade at people. It's whatever, <laughs> who cares? But are there specific brands that you can say, yeah, this has it, probably avoid it. Like Starbucks yeah. coffee, I've heard has it. I mean, absolutely. Right. Let's come on. Once you start drinking clean coffee, one of which is bulletproof tested, it's like triple tested for mold and toxins. It is so smooth that when you go and have a cup of coffee at Starbucks, it is just, 
it's so bitter and it's so tar. So if you drink, a, a lot of people listening, if you're ever thinking, oh my gosh, how can that person drink black coffee? How do they do it? It tastes so disgusting. The reason your coffee tastes so disgusting, example, is the little pods. What do they call that? Is it just pods? Nespresso or, I mean, yeah. there's so many different Kruger. Those types Kruger of things. Something. Yes. Um, so many of those taste horrible. And it's because you're tasting these mold and toxins. So one idea is I know my clients that have the, the, the pod machine, I tell them, get the empty pod and then order clean coffee. And you can put your clean coffee beans in there. Another one's bulletproof. Yep. Another one's bulletproof. There's another one I think called life boost. That's clean. Um, but what I tell people is go to the website of the coffee you're drinking. It's probably something pretty, hopefully local, um, or maybe not, and do the research, go on their website, see if they're tested for mold and toxins, see how they're stored, see how they're roasted, see how they're grown so that you can be informed of this. And if you feel like your coffee is just disgusting black and it's causing you to, you know, dump tons of sugar and creamer in there to to take away the coffee taste, well, odds are your coffee has mold and toxins and you're probably using not clean coffee creamer and you're tired, you're waking up tired and hungry. And that's because of the not clean food that you're consuming. And so again, it's just like this, this continuous cycle that you're trying to get out of. hundred percent. So moving on, let's say you have a a partner. And I, I have a follow-up question about a whole family and with kids. So specifically, oh, let's yeah. say you have a partner who they are just not on the health bandwagon. You are, what are your tips to, I guess <laughs> I, I'm going to laugh when I say this, but survive the relationship because I know there's a lot of challenges that can come up, but how can someone encourage their partner without it also ruining your progress. Like I have clients who their partners don't eat as clean and then they end up being clean, being clean. And then it's like, oh, you know, I went off the, the wagon because my partner bought this and it's so hard. So what would you say to those people? Yeah, I deal with that too. Um, so I always tell people start with you first. Don't go run out and tell everybody, oh, I'm eating clean, I'm eating clean. It actually comes off very defensive and people don't like it. People don't want to change. And if you go out and say, I'm being healthy, I'm doing this, I want to take control of my health. Well, then you kind of, kind of not insulted them, but you have, you made a threat to them. They're like, well, what do you mean? Why? I don't want to do this with you. I don't want to be healthy. So start with you. For example, I say find meals that work for the whole family or your spouse or your friend, whoever you're doing meals with, and, and just keep giving them the same thing. So for example, let's say it's spaghetti and meatballs. Well, now make sure you're buying grass-fed, grass-finished meat. You're going to buy a cleaner red sauce. That person will never know, but you still give them their same pasta and you make your pasta. Now you're eating the same thing. It didn't take any more time. And that person is not upset. Another one would be tacos. You make the tacos. You have the cleaner taco shell. They have their same shell. Again, not change anything. Burgers. We still making burgers the same exact way, right? Do you want to get higher quality meat? Um, but maybe you still give them their bun. Maybe you serve yours over lettuce. Maybe you get an unbun. Maybe you are serving it with outer aisle cauliflower wraps. 
again, you're not insulting them. You're still having the same meal um, and doing those things. But generally speaking, when you apply these things to yourself, what's going to happen is I like to say your, your cup, okay? And if your cup is filled, I mean, you're taking care of yourself. You're feeling good. You're feeling confident. You have more energy. But your cup is full and you're able to serve others. So you're going to serve your spouse um, your friend, your coworkers, your kids, much better. It's going to be better for everyone. If your cup is half full, you're drained, you're, you know, filled with toxins, you're depressed, everything is just going down, downhill, then you can't serve people with half, with your cup half full, right? Um, the other thing is I just, it, it, once you start doing it for you, those around you, they take to it all of a sudden. They say, why are you looking so good? Why do you have this energy? Ooh, how are you eating that and still feeling and looking the way you are? And so when that person has their kind of wake up moment, they will come to you and they will be open and they will want to learn. And then that that's an experience where you too can spread the mission and help someone around you. Love that advice. Could I literally could not agree more. So moving on then to families with kids, how can you introduce health? So kind of a two-part question. As a child who, let's say you've just had a baby, how do you start introducing foods when they get picky? Because I have a few friends, they were like, yeah, my kid was perfect up until three and now like won't eat anything. And then also for someone who has kids who maybe they haven't eaten healthy and they've been eating all the fruit roll-ups. How do you start introducing those foods to the children? Yeah, I don't really know the answer for if your kid doesn't eat anything. That's a tough one. Like, okay, my kid doesn't eat anything but a chicken nugget, right? I would say, oh, um, I, I would say a couple things, but I guess I would say try to find try to find a cleaner chicken nugget. Like I know Purdue gluten-free is a good one. Maybe you can buy chicken and bread it yourself with a cleaner alternative. Um, that would be option number one. That's just, that's difficult. The other, the other question you had was, what do you do when your kid is just eating garbage all the time, right? Kids nowadays are drinking prime, they're eating fruit roll-ups, they're eating fast food, they have freaking cupcakes and cakes and donuts at every event. I know this, I live in this, I have two boys myself. Every single time we go anywhere, it's like somebody has brought just the worst of the worst over. You control, my advice, you control what you can control. So my kids wake up and they have a clean breakfast. If they're home during the day, they have a clean lunch. If we, they're home at night, they have a clean dinner. Now maybe Saturday morning, we have to travel to a soccer game or we're going to a birthday party, okay? And it's just trash, it's trash central. What do I do? I don't freak out. They are so aware, because we've been doing this a while, but they're so aware it's not clean. They're aware of how they feel, but that has not happened overnight. What happens is if you can control or, you know, if you can maintain them eating some good, let's say this week they had one clean breakfast. You had 
cleaner sausage, a pasture-raised egg, and a Simple Mills muffin or waffle or a pancake, aside from, you know, the Eggos they have been eating or the Pop-Tarts. Well, guess what? The kid's probably not going to be screaming for a snack. They're going to have a better attention span throughout the day. They're not going to be running around super hyper, and you're going to notice this little difference, and then they're going to get to lunch, and you're going to maybe take them through the fast food restaurant or whatever you're going to start noticing how their behavior changes. And so that will give you that kind of push, that nudge that like, listen, this is really good for your kid and your your kid needs this. Um, so I think focusing on the smaller wins, maybe when you have um, chips and salsa out, you have your chips and their chips and they might say, oh, mom, can I try those chips? And if they try and they like it, I'm like, hey, put that on repeat, bring it back into the house, right? I know my kids love beef jerky. They love seaweed, um, little seaweed strips. They love what they love peanut butter. They love sun butter. Um, all these, you just find what they like and you put those on repeat and bring it back in. Amazing. So as we come to the end, you have mentioned a few different brands, but I'm curious, are there specific brands that you you would say, yes, if you see this in a grocery store, get it. So for me, like I love Mary's Crackers, really good ingredient list. Are there any ones like that or, you know, kind of more mainstream that someone could find in any grocery store that you're like, yes, absolute two thumbs up, you know, the gen yep. approval? Yep. I would say milk. You're going to find milk. Um, also Flackers is a new one on the shelves. I think that one's pretty good. You're going to find Simple Mills. Simple Mills is a great alternative for a lot of your crackers and your, um, your breads, your breakfast foods, things like that. That's another good one. Um, another mainstream one now that's popping up a lot, and I'm, I'm literally going through the grocery aisle through my head right now, Seggiano. Game changer. Seggiano, you'll find it a lot. Um, another one, Palmini. Palmini is a good one for pasta. It's made from artichokes. Who would have known? And then one more would be... I heard you say no to Newman's Own. I believe, was that correct yeah. that you said that's not a good one? Correct. Interesting. You don't want Newman's Own. All right. Um, so... Yeah. Newman's own ingredients, which I feel like my mother-in-law, she eats, oh, there's Newman's own, um, Newman's own salad dressing. It is, what is this? The classic oil and vinegar dressing. The third ingredient is canola oil. I don't want that. That's just, again, it's a big brand, not doing the best things. Um, I was trying to pull up the bread, but I can't find it right now. All right. I mean, I feel like you've given so many different tips. And what I would say for anyone listening is really focus on like one to three things that were said today, because we obviously talked about a lot of different stuff, but it's taking control of your health starts with focusing on something small, which I loved what you said, Jen, of find one meal or one time of day and really hack that, make that your clean meal and then start to build from that. So my last question for you is what are your top three tips for someone to live a sharper life? Oh, I like this one. By the way, it was Newman's own. No, not Newman's own. It was nature's own, nature's own. 
There we go. Top three tips to live a shopper life. Wake up, read your labels, number one. Start your day with the miracle morning. That will get you into the mindset and will get rid of any roadblocks or anything that you can't control, anything that's happened in your past, and it will help you take on this different self-identification to achieve the goals and the lifestyle that you want. And then the third thing is just get outside in the sunshine. Love those. And so Jen, where can people find you work with you? Absolutely. You can check out freemorningguide.com to discover three common foods, killing your energy and ruining your day. You can also follow me on social media at wake up and read the labels. And we also have a podcast. I love it. And of course, I will put everything in the show notes. Definitely go check out Jen. I love all of your content. Even I remember when I discovered you, I live and breathe this industry. I live and breathe ingredients and cooking and and just health. Like I, I feel like a sponge. And I saw you during the pandemic and I was like, oh, this girl's amazing. Everything that she's posting. So I just want to say thank you for doing what you're doing. And thank you for this incredible interview. And if those of you listening, you enjoyed it, please don't forget to subscribe, leave it a five-star review and what you enjoyed about this episode. And until next week, here's to a sharper life. 